0: Welcome to the Jusco Bike Podcast. This is the podcast about the fun of bicycling. I'm TJ Juskowitz with RAGBRAI. And I'm Mark Wyatt. I'm with the Iowa Bicycle Coalition.
1: We've got lots to get to today. And I know, Mark, you've been pretty busy with all the legislation happening. You want to give a quick recap of what happened this week? I know. I think I'm going to need a post office box here in Des Moines. I'm,
0: I'm here enough. Um, it's been a busy week. I know last week we talked a lot about lights on bikes. That didn't make it um, during the daytime. Now, we did accept a a provision to have lights on bikes at night, and uh, we think that's a good thing.
1: And overall, why, for for the person that just tuned into this podcast today, why is this so important to the people uh, in our area, in Iowa and in the Midwest? You you know,
0: because it's a lot of different things. Um, You know, it's a healthy thing. It's a recreation thing. It, it attracts young people to live here. You know, people want to live where there's trails and bicycling and and fun. And uh, uh, but most of all, and I think this is important to remember, bicycling's an economic generator. And not only that, it it, it doesn't just generate in the big cities. It takes money out to the smaller rural communities
1: because that's where bicycles like to go. Okay. Well, I know I'm pretty selfish when it comes to anything that would affect, obviously, RAGBRAI, which we, we work on here locally. Um, I'm obviously tuned into it, but I'm also a, a cyclist, and I'm also a parent, and I when I see these things that we're trying to get some some safety measures in place, uh, I feel pretty good about the direction. And I just want to applaud the Iowa Bicycle Coalition for, it's not just something that just happened last week. We've been working on this for Lots, a long time. Months. And And um, how has it got to this point? Why has it gotten so far this year compared to other years? You know, I I think we had a
0: lot of new people that, that uh, we've talked to over the past couple of years. Because you're right, this has been a multi-year or, ordeal for us, and uh, um, a lot of people that f- have finally got the message, it finally sunk in that uh, hey, you know, we're doing some good here. Our, our change lanes to pass bicycles proposal is really the same way it works for automobiles in the state. It's it's not a lot different, um, and it could save some lives, especially when you start teaching that in driver's ed and 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 law enforcement can enforce something that's that's much easier for them.
1: Now this. Obviously you just mentioned Republicans, Democrats working together. So this was a completely bipartisan bill because it had unanimous support in both the House and Senate committees. Is that correct? Correct.
0: correct. So, and and I think I think one of the keys is that we had a lot of people speaking up. We've done a lot ourselves as the Iowa Bicycle Coalition to organize our grassroots and get them speaking on message and together and to talk with their their legislators. So we're running a campaign in 100 different House districts and 50 different Senate districts, and every legislator that we talked to said, I've been hearing from people in my district. And we've been very particular about doing that this year, and it's really paying off. I think that's one of the important parts. And I think we can't stress that enough. Cyclists need to speak up. If you're not from Iowa, figure out who your advocacy organization is. And uh, join and and be a part of that group, because I think it makes a huge difference when we speak with one voice that's very loud. People start paying attention.
1: Now, put this in perspective compared to other states. I mean, we're looking at changing lanes to pass bicyclists. We hear a lot of, uh, you know, catchphrases out there like, you know, share the road or, or give me the, you know, three feet. Um, put this in perspective compared to other states and what this would mean to Iowa.
0: Yeah, we got a law that's enforceable. I think that's the big key is there's there's no uh, arguing where that center lane line is, and, and that's the big difference. You know, with three feet, even if you catch it on video, you got to calibrate and make sure what's three feet and what's four feet, and, and, and so there's a, a lot of different ideas out there. I think uh, Jim from Bike Law uh, said that this is one of the most important bills in the country right now. And uh, it, it sets the tone for what other states I think will start doing. It's just recognizing change lanes to pass bikes. It, it just makes life a lot easier for everybody.
1: Okay. Well, this isn't to the goal line yet. It's it's moving downfield, downhill. But what can people do to make sure that this thing gets across the goal line?
0: You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic at this point. You're right. We're not done. We still have weeks possibly of work to do ahead of, uh, of the governor signing this bill. Um, right now is continue to speak up. We're going to take a little breather over the weekend. But Monday, we're going to start with the action alerts. If you're already a, a member of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition, great. We have you in our list and you're going to get some emails. Um, if you're not a member of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition, now's the time to join. Um, even make a donation, you know, $5, $10, whatever whatever you can do, make a donation and support
1: this effort because this is what pushes us across the goal line. Well, good. Yeah. Well, we'll keep all our listeners posted as as we go, but sounding like things are going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So just going to mention a few other things that we have on this podcast on, on episode eight. We have... Uh, Andrea Parrott did an interview with our good friend over in in Oregon cowboy. at Cycle Oregon. Our our friend Steve Schultz, the cowboy, if you will. Uh-huh. And uh, I I don't know if Andrea is going to ask him if did Cycle Oregon steal all their ideas from Ragbrai or just some of the ideas from Ragbrai. Hey,
0: we can't help it. We execute better here.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, well, really it's all execution, not original ideas. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give Cycle Oregon credit for a few things that <laughs> that we've probably borrowed, if you will, from from Cycle Oregon. But uh, fantastic event over there. I mean, it's a it's a different type of event than what we're used to with with Ragbri. It's more of a, you know, pretty much for some serious cycling, um, beautiful scenery and all that. So I I can't wait to hear that podcast interview that he did with Andrea Parrott.
0: So I mean the other thing we're going to talk about is bike delivery, right? Yeah, bike delivery. Um, one of our one of our in the field reporters has something for Minneapolis. And I think this is more than Jimmy John's, right? This is oh. uh hmm.
1: this isn't just getting the sub freaky fast. Didn't they make a movie with Kevin Bacon about bike delivery, <laughs> wasn't it? Quicksilver. Right, right. And right. our friend Nelson Vales was
0: in that movie. Which makes us two degrees from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Our Bacon score is now two. Yeah,
1: and I know Nelly's going to come on the show, I think, either next week or the week after that. I think Kyle's going to chat with with Nelly, our good friend Nelson Vales, over in San Diego and uh ride with Nelly. You saw Nelly probably with the the largest thighs I've ever seen on a man riding a <laughs> bicycle, uh, but just, and, and probably the... The biggest smile you've ever seen on a guy. So, what, what was his nickname? Is it the cheetah? The cheetah, absolutely. The cheetah. So, we're uh, but but bike delivery in Minneapolis, probably interesting stuff again, uh, on this edition, and then. Andrea Parrott will follow up with another edition of Parrot Talk. And I heard she's got a, a jersey question coming up. Oh. And um, if you're if you're wondering about our jerseys, I'll, I'll put a shameless plug in for Primal. Uh, Primal Wear is the official jersey sponsor of RAGBRAI and also the, the sponsor of the Just Go Bike Podcast. So let's get right down to getting into the show. We've got lots of good things. Cycle Oregon, Bike Delivery, and parrot Talk coming up. Hello podcast listeners. This is Kyle Munson for Just Go Bike.
2: You know, when I'm out there on the road on my bicycle, I worry about carrying my own weight. A water bottle or two, maybe a Bluetooth speaker, some of the tools of my trade as a journalist. But my next guest, Drew Ditlofsson, lugs around a ton or more on his bike each week. No, he's not a bagger who carries his entire campground on wheels. And he's not balancing elephants on his handlebars. He's a bicycle delivery man for Peace Coffee in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For about half a dozen years, rain or shine or blizzard, Drew has peddled hot coffee around the Twin Cities in some of the most bone chilling weather or the oppressive heat, and while dodging the occasional Molotov cocktail. And yet he still calls bikes the best thing ever created by humankind. So, welcome, Drew, to Just Go Bike.
3: Hey Kyle, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you bet. Well, I was fascinated. I wanted to talk to you because I know and you know, I love bicycling. I know and love the Twin Cities. And uh here you are. You probably have the best grassroots view of bicycling under extreme oppressive conditions uh, in the Twin Cities uh, than anybody. Um what got you into this whole business?
3: Um really uh just my love for bikes and I had worked earlier and previously in uh, the coffee industry and so two of my passions just kind of melded together into one
2: <laughs> that's well that's perfect now you I have to I have to let listeners know um, I mentioned Molotov cocktail and when we were setting up this interview you said you have dodged a molotov cocktail while you're out there delivering on your bike what is that all about
3: yeah, a few years ago on our wonderful Greenway, which is actually a real treasure um, that we have in the Twin Cities, um, I was just riding, going for uh, my lunch break, and all of a sudden, a, there was an explosion right behind me, and it ended up being a Molotov cocktail. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh
2: wow. Uh I I don't even know how to react to that. So, well, yeah, so, I didn't either. <laughs> so, what are the other stories that you tell? Like at parties, when people find out, you know, you're a delivery man on a bike. Uh, you know, there's the Molotov cocktail. What other just crazy situations have you found yourself in?
3: Um, I mean, there's always just weird everyday things with just interactions with conversations in elevators and things like that. But uh, I mean, there's other times where. I was trapped downtown when uh, President Obama was in town and Mm. they take security very seriously there. And I was trying to do a delivery to a location and kind of got like trapped in by the Secret Service and stuff. So (laughs) there's just weird things that happen over time and ended up having to just, you know, take a nap in a park and wait till I could go back.
2: <laughs> I have this vision of the snipers on the roof eyeing the coffee delivery man <laughs> and his and his large trailer and what's <laughs> so cause you pull around this trailer, right?
3: Yeah, yep. Uh basically we have a a couple of bikes at work trailers, uh Iowa based company and nice uh have been custom done for us and we're about to do our like fourth version of those. And, you know, as time has gone on we've had the need for the ability to carry more and more weight and now they have the invention of trailers with uh duallys on them and everything so soon we'll be carrying 600 pounds at a time
2: wow so how do you how do you i mean just biking in the city uh you have to be aware and sometimes it can be difficult how do you handle all that coffee sloshing around when you're navigating turns or whatever it might be uh you must have this down to a science
1: uh
3: well it's all it's all beans, and so okay. when we're when we're riding around uh we we have pretty good uh containers and everything and you know with all that weight you're not you're not setting any land speed records or anything. you're going you know maybe maybe twelve miles an hour mm-hmm. so turning is a little bit of a challenge sometimes you can't be going too fast otherwise you're you're definitely going to get a yard sale and picking up after yourself, but it happens.
2: (laughs) Now, have you, you, have you done this work in, with every type of bike, do you change, you must change bikes based on the weather. Uh, Do you prefer using, I don't know, a fat bike? Do you like mountain bikes? Uh, How have you refined, I guess, your bike riding uh, as a delivery man?
3: Sure. Um, Essentially my, my go-to and year round favorite is uh, my long haul trucker. Uh, touring touring uh, bicycles with you know a triple on there is really really comes in handy and when you get over into St. Paul and the hills and you really use use the range of gears in certain situations but otherwise I can usually use pretty much that bike all year round by switching up to studs and then in the summer you know using a thinner tire mm-hmm. picking up a little speed but uh, recently we've teamed up with a different company uh to test out um you know e-assist uh fat bikes currently so we're trying that out right now too and it's it's been it's been fun it's kind of i've been enjoying it more than i thought i would because i kind of figured i was more of a purist but i'm starting to come around a little bit (laughs) so
2: now you don't only bike as um you know, delivering coffee beans, uh, what you do other races and rides on a regular basis too.
3: Sure. Um, yeah, over time I've kind of done all, all types of races and even done a season on the velodrome out in Blaine in Minnesota, which is an amazing facility. Hmm. Um, but you know, I also mostly have stuck to community rides and alley cats and that's taken me all over the U S and into different countries and just really getting to ride in other places has really been a, a really nice treasure and a way to reach out and learn more about bikes and, you know, who's doing what out there.
2: So, I mean, as I mentioned in the intro, you you consider bikes to be like man's greatest invention, invention, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you come to this realization, what, early in life, or is it something that you became passionate about as a college student or something like that?
3: You know, um, I didn't really realize how much I had rode growing up, but uh, I was, after college, I was living out in the suburbs and kind of started biking to work every day and then biking to the cities, which, you know, was a little over an hour commute, but really enjoyed it and slowly started meeting more and more people. And it, it really just became a thing that has taught Myself so much about myself and about even connecting with within nature, and it's given me the, the chance to make a living off of off of the bicycle as well. It's just uh, it's provided me with a whole life.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I assume you wouldn't want to be a, a truck driver delivering coffee beans or whatever it might be. That I mean, the the nature of bikes is what makes this such a lifestyle for you.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's really connects me to everything. I would say.
2: Well, so what does that mean? Do you just foresee yourself? Uh, are bikes going to be at the center of your career for decades to come, or what's your long term plan? I guess on two wheels.
3: You know, I I didn't ever really imagine myself in the situation I'm in right now, but um, I really don't plan on changing it. Um, after I got in a few years, I kind of wanted to get to ten years, and then we'll see where that takes me and. I'm sure bikes will be a part of my life for the rest of my life
2: yeah yeah i you know I've, I guess just in my life I've seen so many people out there that have inspired me who are bicyclists in their seventies eighties or whatever um, but I, I guess I don't know about you know sub zero temperatures in Minneapolis uh, in january, but, <laughs> but i mean that's got to be is it ever hard to get yourself out of bed to go um, deliver in sub zero temperatures
3: you know, it's actually the Sub-Zero I can I can adjust to. It's not so bad for me. My least favorite conditions is 30 degrees and raining. I think it's just <laughs> miserable. And you just get so cold and it gets to your bones and, you know, it just takes a while to warm up.
2: Do you, do you wear like a, a, a plastic bag draped over your bike or do you, do you just have really good rain gear, I imagine? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. You, you kind of acquire the gear over time and... It gets better and better and easier and easier every year, the more and more equipped you are for the circumstances.
2: That's great. Well, um, th- this has been a great uh, conversation, Drew. Thanks so much. Uh, i got a couple more questions, though. One would be, I mean, coffee is part of your business, too. So what's your favorite kind of coffee?
3: Oh, boy. Um, currently, I would probably say Ethiopian or else uh, Guatemalan light currently. Um, but it changes I've got – there's one blend that we have that's called the Blue Ox blend, and that's kind of my standard. I always go to a nice little medium mix there, but I, I'm pretty much just a black coffee kind of guy.
2: Okay. Well, good deal. And then um, – well, I have to give a shout-out to the Twin Cities craft brew scene, too. That's pretty amazing. We and We have yes, a good and growing scene here uh, in Iowa and, and uh, other cities around the nation, um, but I love – Love the Twin Cities scene, for sure. But here on the Just Go Bike podcast, we always ask every guest the important question, Drew, what is your favorite kind of pie?
3: Favorite pie. That's funny, because I'm actually a pie over cake all day kind of guy. <laughs> um, but pretty standard, I would have to say the cherry pie.
2: Cherry pie, a lifelong devotion to cherry pie
3: can't go wrong
2: and what do you so that I love I love your quote uh, pie over cake all day what uh, do anything in particular against cake was there a bad childhood did you have a cake thrown at you on your bike or anything
3: no I I just think there's so many varieties and so much you can do with pie and just that you can make make it like a seasonal thing and it's it's unique as a you know cake is just cake (laughs) (laughs)
2: I love it. Well, thanks so much, Drew. Uh, Keep on pedaling there in the Twin Cities, and we'll catch you on the trails.
3: Great. Thanks, Kyle. You bet.
4: Instead of everyone asking me questions on Parrot Talk, I've turned the tables for this segment, and I'm the one asking the questions. Today, I'll be having a conversation with Steve Schultz, the director of Cycle Oregon, one of Ragbri's cousin rides. I've known Steve for several years through the Bicycle Tour Network, where he's a board member. Hi, Steve, and welcome to the podcast.
5: Hey, Andrea, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
4: So first of all, this is Cycle Oregon's 30th year. Congratulations.
5: Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, we're really excited about that.
4: So for those of us who aren't familiar with the ride, can you tell us a little bit about your the background of the ride and how it got started?
5: Sure, absolutely. Um, so back in 86, 87, um, there was an innkeeper in southern Oregon uh, in the town called Ashland uh, who had uh, wrote a letter to a journalist here in, in Portland that wrote for the Oregonian who was his his beat was rural Oregon. And they talked about wouldn't it be great if we could do a bike ride um, with a bunch of people across the state that would help provide economic uh, impact to all those little towns that they went through. And, you know, we could buy as much pizza and drink as much as we possibly can as we drive, you know, right across the of the bike. So uh, they said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea and started talking about it um, with other people from the state level as well, transportation people, um, and thought, yeah, we should do something like that. And in fact, um, a small group of them went out uh, and talked to people at ragbri uh, about this crazy ride across Iowa that had been started not too long before then. And so they kind of got some ideas of what that looked like, uh, and came back and in 1988. Um, they said, okay, we're going to do this ride. And they figured they'd have about 50 people show up and a thousand people sh- showed up and they didn't have any kind of food lined out or bathrooms or different support or anything like that. So, um, they kind of went through all these towns and in fact, went through one of the small towns and there was a sanitation company there that helped him out in the town. So what are you going to do the rest of the trip? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, we'll come with you. And so they sort of bring in bathrooms with them along for the rest of their first initial ride. In fact, they've been with us ever since that. uh, yeah. So that was kind of started in, in 1988 was our first ride. And at the finish they were like, well, now what do we do? And somebody said, well, let's just pass around a hat and let's collect some money and give it back to some of the people that helped host us. And, so this idea was sort of hashed of, hey, we can we can do something more with what we do with this ride. And so in 96, we started the Cycle Oregon Fund, and we have been putting proceeds into that from each uh, year's events ever since then. And in 2013, uh, I believe, we... Sounds about right. Uh, we passed the $2 million mark in that fund. And so Whoa. each year we do about $100,000 in grants a year, and then we do about another... $200,000 in community payments. So when we go to the communities, we enlist the community volunteers to help us do our thing. And so about quarter of a million dollars or more than a quarter a million dollars every year we pump back just right from Cycle, Oregon, into those communities. So uh, we're really proud of that. You know, we we uh, were a bike ride that, as I tell people, we have big party and then we give over the leftover beer back. And it's kind of a cool thing to be involved in. And, oh, I, you know, awesome. a lot of organizations, yeah, a lot of organizations do it a little bit different, um, I mean, obviously Rag ride comes in town and the town reaps the rewards of all that kind of stuff of that mass people. Um, but we don't have that sort of volume when we go to towns that, you know, that have five people in them. So there's some things that are a little <laughs> bit different. It's the support structure. So we're fully supported on all of our events. We do three events. We do a, the, the classic, which is our week-long event in September. We do what we call the Weekender, which is in July. It's a weekend event. And we do the Joyride, which is a women's-only event.
4: Oh, that is so cool. It's pretty fun. So can yeah. you, you tell yeah. me specifically a little bit more about your 30th anniversary plans? Um,
5: so we have all these really great resources we can take people to. So this year we're hitting sort of the center of the state, uh, and we're going to be hitting Crater Lake National Park. So people can ride the rim around Crater Lake. We're going to hit a couple of uh, some of the most iconic roads in in Oregon. One's called the After Heidi Scenic Byway, and one's called McKenzie Pass. And so we've put all sort of these three epic rides into one week event, and uh, it's just going to be phenomenal. We uh, we take 2,200 people with us when we go on the week event. We take about 2,000 on the Weekender and 1200 on our joy rides. So it's not a small little group, but it's not it's not ragbar size for sure. <laughs> uh, but everything is, you know, fully supported. So we do all your food, we do we have beer gardens, we have live music and stage, we have massage, we have acupuncture, we have physical therapy, we have pizza and, you know, you name it, we have it on on our camp and then, you know, biggest piece is trying to get back in these communities. So for the 30th anniversary, we're going to some of these communities that have been, you know, really good to us. We don't have favorites throughout the state, but we do have places that we like to ride. Sure. Um, so we're going to a small town so we can we feel like we can make a difference this year.
4: Oh, very cool. So uh, so speaking of the Swiss Alps of the U.S., how hard is it to ride up a mountain? And have you ever burned through an entire brake pad going down a mountain?
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it can be quite challenging. I want mm-hmm. to make sure that you train for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we do have, uh, you should certainly train for this event. It's not something you want to just show up and think I'll get my training on the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I personally haven't done any riding in Iowa, but um, while you have hills, you do not have hills like we have. I don't
4: no. think no. so.
5: So, there are some issues uh, with that for training. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. coming downhill, we do some steep grades too. Uh, uh, you know, if you're riding, very fancy carbon wheels and uh, you probably don't want to bring them on cycle Oregon because you do have descents. And if you do, if you're a heavy breaker, you could fry up those rims pretty good. So Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't put people in danger of course, but there are definitely some up and downs. We try to go uh, on the, quietest roads possible so we do not typically travel on any kind of state highway um, even county highway things like that We're, we try to get off the beaten path and hit forest service roads blm roads so we take the indirect way to get places which usually means up and over either the coast range or the cascades uh, but the light traffic on those roads is phenomenal if you can ride mm. a whole day pretty much on a one lane road through the forest and not really seeing any cars um, that's quite an experience, and that's what we try to bring to people. You know, there are places that you have to get on the major highway, but we try to do some of these small roads. So it's really kind of a different – different, it's not uh, – uh, you know, you're not tra- traveling with a lot of traffic at all during the week.
4: That's so nice. Some people are, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so – It's helpful
5: from a safety standpoint. <laughs>
4: so... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so you're not doing any gravel roads?
5: Uh, we do have gravel. Well, oh, some do? of it is uh, – yeah. Some of it is that, uh, some of the forest roads we, we use there's sections of gravel that they just won't repair anymore because mm-hmm. it's whether it's on a fault or something. So they do that. So, um, in the past we haven't done anything that's really, Hey, we're going to ride this gravel. Um, for the 30th anniversary, what we're doing is we actually are, are all gravel options oh, okay. on a number of the days we've actually gone out and and mapped a bunch of roads and, and tested them to ride gravel. So folks that do like to do that kind of gravel riding, we have a lot of people out here that are getting into gravel, just like they are out in your area Mm -hmm. um, fat and those kinds of things. And they'll bring cross bike, cross bikes and stuff on cycle, Oregon's classic. So on that week event, we're going to offer some gravel options that people that want to get dirty can get off and do that. So that'll be a new thing for us. And so we're excited to try that because we want to look at if we can expand into offering some other events that, that do primarily gravel as opposed to doing pavement. Oh, cool. So it's going to be nice for us to put our feet in it a little bit and see what we can do.
4: Okay, so my next question is kind of a broad one, but tell me a little bit about Oregon cycling culture, where Iowa is all about eating too much food, biking sandals, and loud 80s rock. How does Oregon compare?
5: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, we don't have 80s rock, because I'd be right on for that. (laughs) Um, But it is definitely... uh, a heavy particularly the Portland area is very heavy cycling culture. But because of our outreach into the state to even some of these rural communities, the rural communities are seeing the benefit of cycling as an economic driver. And so mm-hmm. that's part of our mission is to drive that. And so we are putting in bike infrastructure. Uh, Cycle Oregon uh, started the what's called the Scenic Bikeway program, which mm-hmm. is now run through our state parks. Um, and so we've designated 15 scenic bikeways throughout the state that uh, they're about a thousand miles total, I think, distance. And these are proven routes that we advertise to the state to, to internationally that people can come and say, hey, here's some great routes you can ride. Here's the infrastructure around that. Here's the hotels you can stay in. Here's the places you can eat um, so that people can come to Oregon and just kind of create their own cycling experience. People have sort of looked at Oregon as this cycling Mecca. Um, and, and deservedly. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities out here to ride your bike and a lot of great roads that people can get to. So statewide, there's a big culture, particularly rural, rural economy development out there. They're seeing that, Hey, this is making sense. So let's help support that Oregon is primarily has been timber, timber Mm -hmm. and fishing has driven its economy. And as the timber, timber has gone away. These rural communities are struggling to figure out what's next. How can we survive out there? And so that they're embracing, with some hesitation, some of them, but they're generally embracing cycling and and outdoor recreation as another mode that tourism that that active active participation and doing something outdoors as an economic driver. So, so statewide, that's happening. From a from a urban perspective, certainly the bike culture. I mean, we live our office here in portland uh, is surrounded by bike lanes so we have nonstop bike traffic bike commuters back and forth all the time i'm so and, jealous um, yeah it's it's non-stop uh biking all day long and and you know not that it doesn't have as conflict with autos but people accept it when you it's not something that you're like hey there's a bike it's just accepted there's bikes and traffic there's bike lanes um there's bike racks everywhere we have a bike share program that nike funded so there's there's certainly this bike culture we have deliveries by bike we have people that that move people by bike um so there's it's just everywhere it really is where you look uh and certainly important in, in the portland area and then a lot of the universities are picking it up having their own bike share programs so that they people can use bikes to get around campus and around town and stuff it's uh, it's really interesting to see it's not you know when you go to a lot of towns you're like oh there's a bike cool uh, mm-hmm. It's just like watching cars in Portland. There's so many bikes out.
4: That's so cool. Well, hopefully I will get there someday. But we're working Anytime. on it. Yep. Mark's Anytime working on it. Anytime we
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: okay. So, to switch gears a little bit, way back in our first Just Go Bike episode, TJ and Mark mentioned that they, quote, stole the route announcement idea from Steve. How do you feel about that? <laughs> and how did you come up with the idea of hosting a party around a route announcement?
5: Well... Yeah, I, you know they say that 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 sort of that you know duplication is the best flattery, that copying is the best flattery. Mm-hmm. But, um, but because uh, my ideas are so good, I'm going to start just giving bad ideas out <laughs> to Mark and TJ, and just seeing how they work with those. And uh-huh. then if they end up working out well, then I'll steal them back from there them. There you go. But. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Uh, you know, ride the Rockies did the same thing. And I think that's what the great thing about this culture is, is that, you know, I've developed great friendships with those guys just through cycling, just through these different organizations. And, um, you know, we're all about sharing stuff. We're all about Mm -hmm. growing the pie, not taking a piece of it. And everybody has something different. Ragbri is completely different than cycle Oregon, which Mm -hmm. is completely different than ride the Rockies. The commonality is a bicycle and a person, but Mm -hmm. You know, our missions are delivered differently. You know, our support is different, Uh, but there's experiences out there that people can happen. So no, it's a compliment that they steal. I just wish they'd have a few good ideas that I can borrow from. That's what I'm waiting for.
4: Well, I'll work on that. We'll see.
5: Yeah, I wish you would. I wish you would. You're the creative (laughs) one of the bench, I think. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure.
4: All right, so uh, speaking of things you thought of first, we'll host our first women-specific ride, Pigtails, this year. Tell me about your women's ride joy ride. And I'm especially curious about the decadent rest stops.
5: The decadent rest stops. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, we've been playing around with this idea about trying to do a women's only event. You know, there's a lot of women's only running events out there, but there's not very many women's only cycling event. And so when thinking about this, I actually talked with Kim True, who, um, does bike main and, uh, they'd have started a a women's ride out there. So, um, you know, in all transparency, she, she did it before I did it. So, (laughs) so I will certainly uh, pass that on. Um, but we looked at, you know, kind of, you mentioned this bike culture. There's so many people out here um, that ride bikes, but as you know, sort of the, the demographic for most of the multi-day rides is, uh, you know, 53 year old white guy mm-hmm. uh, we wanted it to be more of like a festival for women that you get to ride your bike mm-hmm. on the bike was sort of secondary so what we wanted to do was try to bring in all the local fare to help s- support our rest stops where we have you know snacks along the way and then at our finish line we had a big feast that was locally sourced food that was cooked there on site and people were doing all kinds of stuff so oh man you that know, sounds we, so good <laughs> it it was really awesome. Um, and people, you know, they, they come up and they're like, yeah, these berries were picked in the field behind you. Hmm. You know I mean? Just right to your hand kind of a stuff. And so we're, we're fortunate that we have those resources around us, but it really set the tone for, wow, this is just a great day. And the vibe was amazing. Um, you know, I've, I have not experienced an event before where everybody was so happy and so accommodating and inviting to everybody the vibe was just really amazing. It, it, uh, the people were like, Hey, we're coming back. We're bringing every friend we have next year. And you know, they were hanging out as we're tearing down. They're all hanging out They're You know, didn't want to go home. And oh, so perfect. it's really cool. Yeah. And we, you know, our goal was last year to was to have 250 people. That was what we set our goal. And I ended up closing registration at 800 because oh, we cool. just, they just kept signing up. So, <laughs> so we wanted to make sure we had our, everything set up before uh, we ran with too many people. So this year, uh um, We'll take about 1200 people on it and uh we don't want it to get too big because we don't want to ruin that vibe but mm-hmm. the way that the different routes are set up and the different levels uh, we're not worried about any kind of like big congestion or anything like that yeah. We think it's going to be just great oh yeah. perfect but no so i'm really interested to hear how you guys turn how pigtails turns out and uh um, what you guys think about it all
4: well we'll see our one big idea for this year is to try to get fire- shirtless firefighters to do our rest stops but we'll see how that works out so
5: <laughs> that's our one big idea that's one big idea yeah yeah i'm not sure that would play well in, in oregon but it certainly might play well in Iowa. <laughs> uh,
4: well <clears throat> we haven't gotten anybody to actually agree to do it yet so no. well it's just a beginning stage idea <laughs> what, so yeah we'll see yeah. what happens all right so finally i'm going to ask you a question that we ask every person we interview on this podcast what is your favorite kind of pie
5: my favorite kind of pie Mm -hmm. now i'm not a sweet guy but i have to say um i would say an apple pear pie
4: oh that's one we haven't got before
5: yeah so uh my mother-in-law makes an apple pear pie um, but i like it in the morning not you know. so like that's my i won't necessarily eat it as dessert but i'll have Mm -hmm. it with my coffee in the
4: morning breakfast pie kind of guy
5: it's a breakfast pie kind of guy yeah mm -hmm. i don't like i'm not a big sweet guy and then and for some reason, you know, it's fruit, right? I have fruit mm-hmm. with my coffee. That's that sounds right. sounds healthy. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
4: Hey, on Red yeah, Bray, it used we used to be ate...
5: just apple. It used to be just apple, but then she started throwing some pear into that. So now oh. I'm kind of hooked on the apple-pear combo.
4: I like that. Well, on Red Bray, we <laughs> eat pie all times of the day. So that is cool with us.
5: So... Yeah. All right. Very good.
2: <laughs> all
4: right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I hope you have a great time on your rides this year.
5: Absolutely. You guys, too. Look forward to seeing everybody soon. All right.
4: Thank you.
1: Well, we've reached the end of another Just Go Bike podcast. Just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors that help make this thing possible. Bikes to You, a bike shop over in Grinnell, Iowa, also a a rag ride charter and rag in style also primal wear our official jersey manufacturer and i just saw the new gemini tanks that have come out for for women and those are fantastic so thank you primal for getting involved with lots of great things if you need team kits or apparel primals the one want to talk to and last but not least the iowa city corville convention and visitor bureau uh, my wife and i just spent a weekend over in corville and just uh seeing the great stuff over there spent a little weekend at the iowa river landing and just had memories of, of rag bright from a few years ago and uh just just always good to get back to the iowa city area i know lots of neat events coming up like the grand gable as well as the the world cup of cyclocross that'll happen in the fall so uh, lots of good things happening there.
0: Well, thanks for listening. Uh, you can uh, join and subscribe uh, at any of your favorite uh, purveyors of podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. Make sure you uh, leave us some feedback and, and some comments. We want to know your thoughts, so connect with us on Facebook, Twitter,
1: Instagram, at just Go Bike. All right. Well, since we've come to the end, I just want you to remember... Studies show that riding a bike every day makes you more awesome than the general population. Get out and just go bike.
0: Thanks again for listening. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.